it was kind of funny because uh, we found out Sunday night revival was going to go on, and so me and Tyler were like, we need to make sure that Pastor Zig's thinking about Wednesday. So Monday, I told Tyler, I was like, hey, remind Pastor Zig, and I was thinking he'd be like, oh yeah, Tyler, just do it. And he was like, I was thinking about maybe Ayla having the service, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> but, um, and then Tyler was like, you have something working in you, and I was like, no, I don't. But then, next thing I know, I have like eight pages of notes. So I was like, never mind. I do, I do have something to say. But if you have not been here before, when I've shared, I do tend to make things pretty short. It's just I don't uh, like to ramble a lot. And uh, so just be ready for that. Um, but I do feel like the Lord was talking to me about something that was helpful to me. And if I had to give this a title, it would be, Don't Get Stuck Along the Way. Um, so since we have some newer people here uh, that don't know my testimony, um, when I was little, when I was three and a half years old, I was abused by my biological mother's boyfriend uh, to the point that I was in the hospital twice. And the second time was really bad, and I almost died. Um, and after I was better from that, I went into foster care until I ended up moving in with my biological dad and my stepmom, who I call my mom. She was actually here right after Isaac was born, so you all got to meet her, if you were here. <laughs> um, and I moved in with them right before I turned five. So from, so all that happened from three and a half to five. So what that means is that uh, my first memories are of those things. And so before I got saved, I don't remember a time that I didn't feel like I was damaged, that I didn't feel like I, I didn't matter to somebody. And um, uh, even though I did have, I had people in my life that loved me, it was hard for me to receive it because of the place that my mind was. Um, just to kind of tell you where I was, I remember in second grade coming home and telling my parents, you know what, just kill me. And it wasn't something that I just like said in the moment, it was how I really felt because to me life was really hard and it was scary. And um, I remember, I, I, my, my family doesn't go to church, but when I was in foster care, they took me to church. So I did hear about the Lord when I was younger. And I remember at night I'd be crying looking, and I'd be looking up at my ceiling and I'd be like, Lord, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are, I don't want to be alive anymore because this is hard and this is scary. Um, so that's just so you know who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore. Um, I did my best when I was little to keep those feelings inside because I, I didn't want to share that with anyone. And uh, eventually I did get to a place where if I stayed busy, I was happy. And I always like to point out it when I share that, that if you are in that place where you have to be busy to be happy, that you don't have to live that way, that there's freedom in Jesus from that. You can be happy even if you don't have anything to do. <laughs> um, Jesus, Jesus didn't pay the price for manageable depression. <laughs> he didn't pay the price for manageable anxiety. He paid the price for freedom, and that's available. Um, so when I got a little bit older, some things happened in my family, and I was moved around a couple more times. And to me, that kind of just confirmed, yeah, you don't matter to anyone. 
and, um, and I'm not saying that's true, but that's how I felt. Uh, in my early 20s, I actually had two friends who separately started inviting me to the same church, and they didn't know that they, that I even knew each of them, but they both were separately saying, hey, you need to come to this church, you need to come to this church, and I'd be like, yeah, maybe one day I will, but I never intended on going, like, it was just like, I didn't want to say no, so I was just like, yeah, maybe, maybe one day I will, and then uh, my friend Megan, she had a graduation party, and she actually came as well a couple months ago, um, and her graduation party was at the church. And so I go to the church, and both those friends are there. And they're like, hey, this is where we go to church. You should come. And it was harder for me, for some reason, to say in the building that I wasn't going to come. So I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll come tomorrow. So I ended up coming and visiting a few different times throughout the year. And then I went, like, months without going at all. And then... Um, and then I found myself in a place where I didn't know what to do anymore, and I started becoming someone that I didn't really like. I started doing things that I previously wouldn't have ever done, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. So because I didn't know what to do anymore, I went back to church. And um, so I went back, and then I went back the next week, and Pastor Ziggy was there preaching. And if you don't know, Pastor Ziggy travels like he is now and does revivals. And I'll never forget that first service that I saw him in. Um, it was Sunday morning, and he called somebody out for back pain. And he sat her down, and he prayed for her legs, and one of them grew out. Uh, because a lot of times, if you have back pain, one of your legs is shorter than the other, or your, your arms. Are. So I saw that, and that was the first time in my life that I knew for a fact that God was real. And I just started crying. And uh, Tyler mentioned this the other day, that... Um, that healing belongs to us because the price Jesus paid for us, but it's also a sign for the unbeliever. And that's what happened to me. That Seeing that sign told me that God was real. So I told my friend Megan that night, that morning, I said, I might come back during the week because he was scheduled to be there till Wednesday. And uh, so I didn't go Monday. On Tuesday, I, I remember I had a paper I was supposed to be writing for college. And this is the only time procrastination ever paid off for me because I was like, you know what? I don't want to write this paper right now. I'm going to go to church. And that night, I got saved. And uh, the first, uh, that was 11 years ago at the end of this month. So 11 years later. And uh that, that night was the first night that I knew that I was loved and that I, it wasn't going to go away. I didn't earn it, so I wasn't going to lose it. And I remember I even posted on Facebook. I said, man, I don't know why, but I think my life is different now. And it has been. I love when it pops up on my memories because I'm like, man, you didn't even know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I said, that was the first time I knew I was loved. And... Um, I never felt so much freedom and so much joy. And Pastor Zig talks about how I used to hop around all the time during the revival. And it's because I had never felt, like I said, I never felt so much freedom and so much joy. I didn't know how to handle it. So at the time, I would just be, I'd be talking to you and I'd be like, guess what? <laughs> like, and now, now I'm a little more used to it. So I can, I can just walk now. <laughs> but I'm still a little bouncy sometimes. <laughs> um, 
But so like I said, that revival lasted 40 weeks and about halfway through the revival, I started feeling in my heart, in case you're wondering what I'm doing here, I started feeling in my heart that I was supposed to move to Oklahoma. And that's not something I wanted to do at all. I have three younger brothers who I'm very close to and I never in my life wanted to leave them. And so uh, it, it was just something I couldn't get out of my head and out of my heart. So I would talk to people, hey, this is what I'm thinking. and hoping that they would be able to talk me out of it. And they'd give me all these reasons why I shouldn't. And I'd be like, yeah, I know I thought of that too, but I still think I'm supposed to go. And so um, the revival ended in the summer of 2013. And in February of 2014, I moved here. And I didn't have a real picture at the time of what I was going to be doing. I knew I had a place to live with David, Hilda, and Joe, and eventually Marissa. So shout out to you guys. Um, but uh, I knew I had a part-time job at Kohl's, and I knew I had a church to attend, and that's it. <laughs> um, Pastor Zig didn't tell me, you know, Ayla, if you come, you'll be a part of leadership. You'll be able to do this. You'll, uh, you'll travel with me for a while. He didn't tell me anything like that, and the Lord didn't either. All he told me to do was go. Um, and so... Um, I told you all of that so you would know all that I came from. And now, sitting here 10 years later, you're saying, and seeing all that the entire doing, you're like, yeah, you heard the Lord. That was awesome. But uh, that's just now, 10 years later, coming together. And when I, I remember when I first moved here, I didn't even talk to Pastor Ziggy about it because I was afraid he was going to tell me to go back to Indiana. Uh, I remember one day, it was after a few months of me being here, he sent me a text and said, uh, Ayla, let's meet up for lunch. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, he's really going to tell me you need to go back. Uh, but when I first got here, I didn't yet have a picture in my heart of what, of what the next step was. So I just started doing what I knew to do. And that was go to all the revival meetings making myself available to help with whatever it was. I, I, uh, I'd clean the plane, I'd take out the trash, I'd set up chairs. Back in the day, uh, we rented from another church and we had to set up chairs every week and take them down. And I would help Debbie and Debbie used to be here super, super early. So I'd have to be at church at three to have church at six. <laughs> and I did that every single week just because I, did, I was trying to make myself available with whatever I could. Um, I'd, weed, I'd weed flower beds on my day off and I'd, I'd be praying, Lord, if this is what you've called me to do, I'll do it. It, I'll, I'll be the best at it. I'll, I'll do it well, and I'll do it gladly. And, and Lord, if, if I'm supposed to take out the trash, let me take out the trash so well, so quickly, so efficiently that people don't even realize I took it out. Let somebody else go to do it, and it already be done with the bag in it, the lid on it, everything. And then I'd be praying, Lord, while I'm on my way to the dumpster, let me find somebody that needs prayer. <laughs> let me be the one that prays for them. I'd be greeting and I'd be praying like, Lord, I'm the first person some of these people meet. Let me be so persuaded of your goodness, of your power, that they get healed while they're walking by me, that I don't even have to say anything, that they don't even have to have, get prayer when they come in because it's already finished. Um, and the, I, I was happy doing that. I, I, I loved 
doing all of that, but it was a few years later, a few years in, I started getting unsettled with, with what I was doing. And I remember one day I was at the hangar and I was cleaning the plane with Pastor Zig and I was doing under the wing and I had to crawl out from it. And I was like, Pastor, I just feel like there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. And <laughs> Pastor Zig, if you've hung out with him much, you know he's the kind of person he's like, well, well we're going to find out if, if you're supposed to do something else or not. Um, so something about Winner's Church is if you're, if you feel like you're supposed to be doing something, you're eventually going to be given an opportunity and it's not going to be private you're not going to audition for pastor in the back he's just going to push you out there and we're going to see if it works or not um so it wasn't long after I told him that that he told me hey Ayla, I'm going back to Richmond soon uh for a meeting and when I go there I want you to testify and so I did, but what was awesome is that I ended up not just testifying, I ended up preaching a little, because <laughs> that's, that's what came out of me. And, he's, and um, that was the first time it became evident that the Lord had tended, at least in some measure, for me to share uh, the word and what he put in my heart. And um, even that, though, was about five years ago. So in the last couple of years, I've been able to teach Healing Room occasionally, one of the outreach leaders, one of the Koinonia leaders, and I'm also one of the people responsible for Connections Ministry. So what I'm trying to paint a picture of is how from me moving here till now, it's been a journey. It hasn't been something that happened automatically. Um, like Pastor Zick said, revelation and deliverance is progressive. You don't arrive at the final step automatically, but I think a lot of the time that's what, that's what we expect to happen, and we get frustrated when it doesn't happen like that. Um, nowadays, when people ask me about moving here, I say, yeah, the Lord told me to, and it's been awesome. <laughs> but uh, what I don't tell them about are the times that I wanted to go back to Indiana because I missed my family. Um, I didn't tell them what it's like missing out on not just some family things, but all family things. You know, I, w I would love to tell my family, oh, if you're getting together Sunday, I can't be there, but if you get together Saturday, I can. I can't say that. I'm like, well, I'll see you when I can get there. Um, <laughs> um, I told you all about going to all the revival meetings, but I didn't tell you about having to take naps in my car on lunch breaks to make it through the day so I could go. Um, I didn't tell you about, oh, and I also wanted to say, uh, we hear Ted talk about traveling with Pastor Ziggy for 30 something years. And we're like, man, that's so awesome. I wish I could do that. But what you don't think about is Ted having to learn to sleep with his eyes open during service okay. and slapping himself with beef jerky to stay awake while he's driving. Okay. <laughs> yes, eating McDoubles. I didn't, I didn't tell you guys about the times that I gave all my money and had to eat ramen noodles for a month. And, uh, I learned something about ramen noodles, and that's that they're really good when you want to eat them and not so good when you have to eat them. So, <laughs> so, so sometimes I would, I would skip meals sometimes because I was like, I cannot eat another ramen noodle today. Um, uh, I didn't tell you about 
I didn't tell you about the days I'd leave church and I couldn't go home right away because I couldn't stop crying. Uh, I didn't tell you about losing friendships along the way that meant a lot to me because I chose the life Jesus was calling me to instead of the life that I used to live. Um, uh, something I thought about was one time I heard Tyler testifying about uh, us conceiving Isaac. And if you weren't here around that time, we, we, uh, we tried for nine months, which for some people is a long time, for some people is not a long time. Um, but for us, it was hard. And uh, I heard Tyler testifying one time. He said, we heard the Lord and it happened. And that's all he said about it, which is true because when we did hear the Lord finally, it did happen, but he didn't talk about all the months before that that I spent hours crying because I got the news somebody else was pregnant at the same time that I was hoping to be and I wasn't. And uh, and I remember when I heard him say that, I, was, I told him afterwards, I was like, you know what you said is true and it's right, but it doesn't, it doesn't really tell the process that we went through. Um, I was also thinking about Pastor Zig and Pastor Annie. You know, we see them 30-something years into this, even though Pastor Annie is only 29, so I don't really know how that happened. <laughs> but we, we, we see them 30-something years into this, and we, uh, we see things working for them that maybe are not working for us yet, and we're like, why isn't it working for us? I must be doing something wrong. Um, but Pastor Ziggy, before he before he got to the place he is now, he used to sleep on church pews and eat one meal every other day. <laughs> um, Pastor Annie, before Pastor Zig got the plane, Pastor Annie, I've heard her say she felt like a, a married single mom. And that, I mean, we think the life they live is glamorous, but it has hard parts too. <laughs> um, we tend to think in our minds when we're going through something that we're the only ones who've had to go through something while we're trying to accomplish what the Lord told us to do. Um, I've heard Pastor Zig say before, there's things that he went through that he hoped to keep us from going through, but some of it is just part of the journey and part of figuring things out in our own hearts. Um, but that, oh, I want to encourage you today, if you're in the process of something, keep going. Um, don't stop when it's hard. Be when something is hard, it doesn't mean you're going the wrong way. Um, you're not alone in this. It's a trick of your mind uh, to that. It's a trick of your mind that we're the only ones going through something. Um, in First Peter five nine, it says, "Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world." Um, part of the journey for Jesus himself was being led to the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. The Bible says in Matthew 4.1 in the message version, I thought it was awesome. It says, next Jesus was taken into the wild by the spirit for the test. The devil was ready to give it. <laughs> and I do want to say a disclaimer that that doesn't mean that every problem you face is a result of the devil. <laughs> oh, Pastor Zig just said during revival that he he believes probably 10% of our problems are from the devil. 90% of it is ourselves, our own minds, our own flesh. Um, so part, but part of the process is you're going to find out what you really believe. Um, Pastor Zig tells us all the time, the test isn't to teach you something, it's to see what you've already learned. 
but I do want to encourage you, if you fail one test, you're not disqualified. Um, if you didn't dance when you said dance, do it next time. If, if, uh, if you gave in to fear, spend more time meditating on the scripture that applies, and you'll be ready for next time. If you didn't talk to someone when you were supposed to, you'll recognize the next opportunity, and you'll do it. Um, I was thinking about the hospital ministry. We have a lot of people who come now, and uh, we're, we try to encourage them beforehand, and they'll say something along the lines of, man, I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. And they see people who do it all the time, and they're like, man, I wish I could be like that. But what you may not know is uh, how the hospital ministry got started, and that's because me and Sheree went to the hospital after a women's meeting, and we didn't know what to do. <laughs> we, uh, we walked into a waiting room, and it had a door, and I remember Sheree walked in first, and I walked in second, and Sheree, everyone turns and looks at Sheree, and Sheree just starts laughing, and Sheree does not have a quiet laugh <laughs> or a typical laugh, and so everyone's looking at Sheree. Sheree's laughing, and I put my hand on the doorknob, and I say, Sheree, I'm about to leave you, <laughs> and then uh, because Sheree didn't want to be left alone, Sheree says, hey, I'm here praying for people, and uh, another time, Sheree and I went again, and we just sat in the hallway and talked to people as they walked by, because we didn't yet exactly know how to do it, we just knew to go, and uh, that's not what it looks like at all, but imagine if we had stopped going back then, we wouldn't have that ministry now. Um, I remember the first time I ever tried to pray for someone in public, uh, I was still in Indiana, and I was with my friend Jill, and we, we went to the mall, and we decided to ask this lady if she wanted prayer, and we ended up following her from one side of the mall completely to the other side, back to the middle, <laughs> and we finally ended up asking her because she turned around and saw us, and we're like, well, this is awkward now, so we just have to ask you if you want prayer. And uh, my friend Jill is now a full-time missionary in Cambodia, and she helps people come out of human trafficking. So imagine if in that moment, because she had to work so hard to work up the nerve, if she was like, man, I can't do this, I can't go. Um, parts of the process are uncomfortable. Parts of the journey to get to the picture you see in your head are uncomfortable. I remember when, like I said, we, we, we believed the Lord for Isaac and for nine months. And the moment I found out I was pregnant, the first thought in my head was, oh, no, I have to give birth. <laughs> That's not something I really uh, put in, factored in. But... Uh, that was definitely a very necessary part of receiving a baby. Um, <laughs> I also wanted to say reacting the wrong way to something in the process doesn't mean that you're disqualified, even if your mind tells you that it does. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm one of the leaders in the hospital outreach. So I pray for sick people all the time, uh, all the time. Even before that, uh, when I first got saved, my brothers would bring friends over, and I'd be like, hey, do you have a short leg? Because <laughs> I, <wanted, laughs> uh, I wanted to pray for them, and they'd be like, uh, I don't know. And I'd be like, well, have you ever checked? 
<laughs> um, so I've always, since I, since I got saved, I'd be, I've been praying for sick people. Um, so uh, we, we tell people regularly, believe the report of the Lord over the report of the doctors. Um, so if you don't, if you haven't been around uh, since Isaac was born, I had to be induced with Isaac because I had something they call gestational diabetes. Well, I did have gestational diabetes, but I had to be induced because I had gestational hypertension, which my doctor explained was basically my body recognized a part of Isaac from Tyler and was rejecting it. And so I had to have him. And um, during labor, my blood pressure got extremely high, like 200 something over like 100 something. And after I had him, it didn't come down right away. Um, and so they were monitoring my heart and I guess they saw something a little weird in it. And, uh, and my pulse also stayed really high. So they saw something irregular about my heartbeat and a whole team of people comes in. And uh, they say, we saw something that wasn't exactly right. Uh, we need to see if your heart's damaged, if it's damage that's already happened or if it's currently being damaged. Not that we could do anything about it, but we just need to see what's happening. And then they were like, all right, we're going to monitor your heart throughout the night. Good night. Sleep good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and so I had a moment after all that happened. Of course, I'm emotional because I just had a baby and all that stuff. And I just like start crying. And here I am, somebody who goes in the hospital and tells people, don't believe what doctors say, believe the Lord. And I'm sitting there afraid and I'm crying and I'm telling Tyler, I need you to just lay with me for a minute because I'm freaking out. <laughs> and so what's awesome about Tyler is he did, he gave me a minute to feel what I felt. And then he said, now we're not going to do this anymore. He said, we're going to believe the Lord from now on. And uh, we prayed after that. And I had that moment of being scared and reacting with my emotions instead of faith, but that didn't change that healing belonged to me. Um, all it took was me deciding I was going to believe God and positioning myself to receive. So a testimony from that is that they didn't find any heart damage. Um, it was something that I've probably always had and doesn't cause me any problems. And actually, after Ty and I prayed, I remembered a few years prior Pastor Zig prayed for me in Lawton, and he said, Ayla, you have a heart murmur. And he said, but it's not going to cause you any problems. But I didn't remember that in the moment until after we prayed. And so after we prayed, I stood on that. Lord, you said it wasn't going to cause me any problems. Um, another testimony is they ended up giving me blood pressure medicine, and they said uh, it, it takes people 12 weeks after they've had gestational hypertension to come off of the blood pressure medicine. And I took it for two weeks, and I never had to take it again. Um, Tyler said it was better than it was to start and then go back to normal. <laughs> um, but it would have been easy for me to stay in that place of fear or disqualify myself from receiving or shaming myself for how I reacted in that moment. Um, but I was thinking about Peter. And we all know that Peter is the one who cut off the soldier's ear, right? Uh, when Jesus was betrayed, which I also think 
in the natural, you would think that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, he was defending Jesus. I feel like he was probably like, what do you mean, Jesus? Like, I'm trying, I have your back. <laughs> um, and I'm sure uh, Peter felt like he was right. And me even, I, I like to think I'm a pretty chill person. But if you push the right buttons at the right time, like, it becomes evident I still have some flesh that needs to die. <laughs> um, but uh, Peter, I'm sure he felt in the moment like he was doing the right thing. Um, we also know Peter is the one that denied Jesus three times after, after he declared his loyalty. We also know that Peter is the one who got the revelation that Jesus is Christ when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And Jesus told him on this rock, I will build my church. And we also know Peter is the one who stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, these are not drunken as you suppose. It was Peter's shadow that people were receiving their healing from when he went by. Uh, but something I hadn't thought of until yesterday is that the other disciples were there. <laughs> they were there when Peter said, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And they were there when uh, Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. Uh, they were there when Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. And they were there when Peter cut the soldier's ear off. And uh, when Jesus healed the man afterwards, um, they were with him on the day of Pentecost. And I know if I was Peter, I'd be having it in the back of my mind. Man, I, they, these people have seen me mess up a time or two. Maybe I shouldn't say something. Um, and I imagine the other disciples maybe were a little nervous because the Bible says people were mocking them, saying, are these people drunk with new wine? So they were probably watching him thinking, man, I've seen Peter get angry a time or two, and I hope he's not going to do something crazy. So they were probably watching him and uh, thinking this can go really good or this can go really bad. But the point is Peter wasn't disqualified from doing the work of the Lord because he messed up along the way. Um, some of us would have stopped the first time we were rebuked. Uh, we would have stopped when we denied Jesus. Uh, we would have stopped when we reacted out of anger instead of love. Uh, we would have found new people to hang out with who hadn't seen us act a fool. <laughs> but instead, P Peter kept going and he was willing and obedient when the Lord called on him. Imagine if Peter had stopped before the day of Pentecost. Um, there's a reason that the Bible tells us what to think about, and that's so our mind doesn't hold us back. <laughs> um, I've shared this before, but one time I was so upset about something, and uh, I tried to tell myself I was praying, but really I was complaining, and uh, I was saying, Lord, I knew so-and-so would do this. I was like, they're always like this, and so, so on. And I don't know about you, but any time I've gone to the Lord about someone in that manner, he doesn't sympathize with me. Uh, so this time, he stopped me and he asked me, Ayla, are you preparing the atmosphere for me to work or for the devil to work? And uh, he didn't stop there. <laughs> he, said, he said, I told you what to think about, didn't I? And I'm like, yeah, you did, Lord. And he said, well, read it. And so I went to Philippians 4, 8, and uh, it says, of course, I'll just read it, but it says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, 
think on these things. And he told me to read it again. And when I read it again and I got done reading it, he told me it doesn't say, think on these things unless you're mad. It doesn't say, think on these things unless you get bad news. It doesn't say, think on these things unless you mess up. <laughs> it says, think on these things. He tells us what to think because it's not going to happen automatically. If it did, he wouldn't have to tell us. <laughs> um, but I'm encouraged because if he tells us, that means it's possible. Um, it doesn't say, think on these things unless you miss it, and then you can only think about how you missed it from now on. <laughs> um, if, you, if you recognize that what you did was wrong, you're doing better than you were before because before you wouldn't have even realized it was wrong. Um, so repent and move on. <laughs> uh, I, I heard Pastor Zig one time pray for someone, and he said, uh, he said, the Lord says he knew where you'd be right now when he made his promises to you. And we don't, so we don't surprise God when we mess up. His promises are still true for us. The only thing that keeps us from finishing our race or receiving our promise is that we stop moving forward. Um, while I was preparing for this, I was reminded of the Israelites being freed from being slaves to the Egyptians. Um, and the Bible talks about it in Exodus. The Israelites were freed from slavery and had a word from the Lord about where they were going. But over and over again, all along the way, they were discouraged by what they saw. They said things like, why have you brought us out to die? <laughs> Uh, wouldn't have been better for us to stay where we were. When we read stories like this, we like to be like, oh, those dang Israelites. But we don't realize we do the same thing. Um, they went, the Israelites went from a life they were used to and had to change to a life that they depended on the Lord for. Um, and it wasn't an instant transition of them leaving bondage and having the promise. But, God, but I did want to point out that God was with them in the journey. Um, he was the pillar of cloud in the day and the pillar of fire in the night. He split the sea for them and made bitter water sweet. He sent quail in the evening and rained bread from heaven. But, ex but even though the Lord was with them, um, Joshua and, except for Joshua and Caleb, none of them received their promise because they never were able to change their mindset. Um, what Pastor Zig calls their stinking thinking. <laughs> um, I can't believe I'm almost done. But I wanted to end with this uh, last thing. Um, it's kind of a story, but one time I was in my friend's wedding uh, back in Indiana, and they wanted the wedding party to do a dance. And so we took some dancing lessons, and we learned the cha-cha, and we learned the waltz, and it was totally so much fun. But they told us during the lesson that the man was the leader and the girl was the follower. They said, he's the frame, you're the picture. Basically, uh, he makes you look good. <laughs> um, you look pretty, and he's holding you up. Uh, so when the wedding got closer... We got together with the guys to practice one more time. And the guys, for some reason, were like, uh, let's just mess around. We don't want to practice. And so me and the other girl were like, well, let's just practice together because, you know, they're not practicing. 
we don't need them. And we quickly found out that we didn't actually know the dance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the reason we didn't know the dance is because we're the followers. We weren't the leaders. And it was a mess. We were doing things backwards, missing things. And uh, it was funny because we thought we were looking good during the dance. But really, we were just being like puppets, being twirled around and all kinds of stuff. And so during the revival in Richmond, and for a little while after, I would always hear Pastor Zig say, uh, be led by the Spirit. And he'd say, being led by the Spirit is like a dance. And he'd say, do the dance. And one day, after hearing him say that a million times, it just clicked for me. And the Holy Spirit is the frame. You're the picture. He holds you up. He makes you look good. <laughs> um, and just like without the boys helping me that day, without him, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, so I wanted to end by encouraging you. If you found yourself in a place where you don't know what to do, don't sit down. Just find the leader and do the dance again. Um, at, at the beginning of this year, the, uh, I know not all of you were here, but at the beginning of this year, the Lord said it was the year of completion. And right now we're in September, and many of us are still waiting on some things to be completed. Uh, but you haven't missed it. I want to encourage you. The Lord said year of completion, not day of completion, not hour of completion. It's a process. And if you haven't accomplished the picture yet, you're not done. Amen. Amen. Uh, anybody want to say anything? <laughs> Oh, uh, questions, please. <laughs> no questions? Pastor Annie, you want to say anything? Tyler? I got a question. Yes, sir. Here. I'm like, it's like a talk show. <laughs> Make it quick, Ted. <laughs> Why are you in a hurry? Uh, <laughs> when the Lord spoke to you to move to Oklahoma, what, what kind of persecution did you go through? People said I was part of a cult. <laughs> um, yeah, that's basically it. They, well, they said I was following a man. But like I pointed out, I didn't even talk to Pastor Ziggy in the beginning. <laughs> I never thought he'd be my uncle one day. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't even talk to him in the beginning. But they said I was following a man and I was caught up in my feelings. But uh, I wasn't. And not just, it wasn't just leading up to her moving either that she faced persecution, but for years after also. Yeah. People had negative things to say about it. Just recently, there was a member of Ava's family that was talking about it that didn't exactly think positive things about the whole situation. We're just glad she didn't say anything at the time or express her negative opinion at that time. She knew well enough that she should just keep it to herself or at, at least say it behind your back. <laughs> but yeah, it was years, years worth. And... I also would like to say uh, people that maybe discouraged me, it wasn't because they didn't care about me. So 
you have to keep that in mind as well. You can't, you can't expect everyone to hear what the Lord has told you. <laughs> so, anything else? No? Well, I guess we're done. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Uh, if you want prayer, let us know. But, amen. <laughs>